So, uh, wow, I have such a um, like to say hello to all the devotees in New Zealand. Hare Krishna. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me to address you. Uh, of course, on this very happy occasion, where where are your parents, Kalindi? My father's Satrasuda and my mom in the blue, Krishna. Hare Krishna. Welcome to Raja. So, um, today is a very happy occasion. There's nothing more encouraging than to see the progress, which is of the progress of a, a new generation of devotees. And uh, many times I was in Prabhupada's room when parents brought in their little kids, you know, little babies, because in those days, during the time that Prabhupada was here, there were no older Guru Kulis, all of the um, all of the devotee children were were very young, but so many times I saw that parents would bring their children in, and Prabhupada would, of course, he play with them a little bit and give them a sweet or something, and then he would he would always look at us very sternly, and he would say, "You have to take care of them because they are the future hope." And so that's what Prabhupada, your parents have told you that I suppose, Kalindi. But Prabhupada would always say that, that they are the future hope. So to see that hope, at least one part of that hope being realized here is most encouraging. And uh, so I also like to thank Kalindi for being a great soul for actually, because we see that some people are born to devotee parents, but... Um, well, I guess they say if you get a lemon, make lemonade. But uh, as we know, you know, not everyone born to devotee parents turns out to be what we would hope, a great devotee. So when we see the child of devotees who really is a serious servant of Krishna, of Lord Krishna, someone who's dedicated to Prabhupada's mission, uh, that is most encouraging. Most encouraging. I have a little ghost in my telephone series. She thinks I'm talking to her, but actually I'm not. She has issues. I need to get a, even know a good psychiatrist for Siri. Anyway, so uh, today is also a very important day because it's Lord Nityananda's Parents' Day. Lord Nityananda. So I will talk about Lord Nityananda and then show how that, of course, obviously relates to the initiation ceremony today. Lord Nityananda is, is the greatest personality. Of course, he's Krishna himself. We know that uh, Nityananda is Balaram and, and Lord Chaitanya is Krishna. And uh, I'm happy to say that we are monotheists. We are not polytheists. And there's only one God, and that God is Krishna who expands himself. In fact, Krishna's first plenary expansion is as Balaram. And Prabhupada also emphasized that Balaram is the original, or, or Nityananda is the original spiritual master. So if you look at if you look at Krishna and Balaram, if you look at, in in their leela when they appeared five thousand years ago, and of course we can clearly see those same personality traits 
500 years ago when Lord Chaitanya came as uh, Krishna came as Lord Chaitanya and, and Balaram came as Nityananda. So it's very interesting how there are some techniques or psychologies which have always existed, such as good cop, bad cop. You know, I mean, you know what that is that um, when they're trying, when the police are trying to interrogate a suspect, and so one of the police will be uh, really nice, and I'm really on your side, and I want to, uh, you know, I, I believe that, you know, I, I believe you may actually be innocent. And the other cop is really heavy, and it's kind of like that 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 uh, dynamic of good cop, bad cop, that they get people to confess or to cooperate and so on. And so you see that, for example, uh, with Krishna and Balaram, uh Lord Balaram very famously kept trying to encourage Duryodhana. And devotees often ask, why was he doing that? You know, why was Balaram uh, making friendship with, with Duryodhana? And of course, there's an obvious answer. Because the, uh, Krishna is most merciful, Balaram is most merciful. Note that Balaram did not fight for Duryodhana. Balaram did not justify what Duryodhana was doing, and he certainly didn't actively support him, but he tried to befriend him and to encourage him to um, to do the right thing. And, of course, you find this also when Balaram appears as Nityananda, and Nityananda is very kind to Jagai and Madai. They even attack him, and uh, Nityananda still wants to save them. So... Of course, Balaram, Nityananda Ram, uh, he also, um, I don't want to say he has his limits because Krishna is unlimited, but there are certain things you shouldn't do. Like, um, for example, when uh, Krishna took away Rukmini and then Rukmi chased after them and wanted to stop them. I mean, Rukmi definitely was in serious need of, I guess, philosophical counseling or something, but... Anyway, so he caught up with Krishna, and uh, and Krishna thought, what a pest. So Krishna decided that for all his offenses, he's just going to kill him. And then Balaraman came, and Balaraman came and said, come on, this is your wedding day, and you just took away your bride, and this is, the, this is your brother-in-law. You can't just kill him. So Krishna uh, cut off his hair, gave him sort of a punk haircut. And it's interesting because people in those days took um, sort of uh, bodily symbolism, anatomical symbolism so seriously. Like, for example, in our culture, we always talk about serving the feet, serving the lotus feet, bande guru, sri charanavinda. It doesn't mean that to be a good devotee, you have to become a pedicurist to your guru. So so you're not you're not literally serving the feet of the guru, but... But it's symbolic that because the feet are the lowest part of the body, the feet are in touch with the earth and sort of all the, you know, you know, public roads aren't always the cleanest places. And so, therefore, it's the humblest part of the body. So if you serve the feet, it's the most humble kind of service. But the same type of powerful symbolism also is applied to the head as the highest part of the body. Therefore, I mean, you have one example when Krishna and Arjuna arrested Ashwatthama, and brought him back to the Pandava's camp. And of course, Bhishma said, Bhima, Bhima said, kill him. 
And uh, Draupadi said, Mucha let him go, let him go. And so Krishna had to placate these two pure devotees. By the way, there's an interesting point, instructive point, because devotees often ask, what's the Vedic position on, I don't know, genetic engineering or something? And the, the point is that in mundane moral issues, even pure devotees can disagree. It's not like saying, who is the original form of God? Well, it's Krishna. And it's always Krishna, no gray areas, nothing fuzzy there. Krishna is just the original form of God. Whereas if you say, okay, should we kill Ashwatthama or release him? It's a gray area. And so Krishna took the middle ground. But what's interesting, when Krishna took the, the middle path, turned out to be, again, punk haircut. So you know, Krishna cut off Ashwatthama's crown jewel, cut off his hair. And the Bhagavatam then says that in the case of a Brahmin who has committed sort of a capital crime, this is the way you execute him, not daihika. It's not by bodily killing, but it's actually, you know, this way, cutting off, you know, humiliating the topmost part of his body, the head, which is not only, you know, the anatomical, physiological head, but also symbolically, it represents the highest part of a person. So if you offend that, even today in Arab countries, you know, like they'll throw their shoes at somebody and think they're, boy, we really got that person. We threw our shoes at him. Anyway, it's... so, um, but that same Balaram, who of course is Nityananda, that same Balaram, after telling Krishna, come on, he's your brother-in-law, what are you doing? You can't just kill him. So Krishna just, you know, you know, uh, humiliated him. But that same Balaram, when when uh, Rukmi offended Balaram in a gambling match, Balaram just killed him. So he's very funny. I mean, Balaram is very funny. He's, uh, it's like when he was drinking uh, that, uh, what do you call it, that uh, Varuni beverage, and he was a little tipsy. I mean, this is obviously pastimes, but, and so then that uh, Dvivida, you know, the world, who originally is like the original King Kong, he's like the Vedic King Kong, you know, this this big gorilla. <laughs> They didn't have an empire state building then for him to, you know, hang on. But so Dvivita, he says, it's interesting because, you know, we have this fictional character, King Kong. Uh, the movie, by the way, produced by a New Zealand filmmaker. And um, and then they had Dvivita Gorilla. So Dvivita came, Balaram was a little tipsy, and he was, you know, sort of molesting the, uh, the girls and Balaram. So then Balaram... You know, he, he tolerated for a while and he killed him. So Balaram has this very interesting personality. Very, and of course, Nityananda is exactly Balaram. He's exactly, I mean, he is, he is Balaram. And he exhibits so many of these features. And so just as Balaram tried to save Duryodhana, so uh, Nityananda wanted to save Jaga and Madai. And I don't know how things are going in your country, but in the United States, it's just like it's a festival of idiocy in terms of, um, I mean, the level of intelligence seems to be in free fall. And um, so really, it's like Nityananda to the rescue. It's really Nityananda to the rescue because who else would have the patience to deal with all these people? So, um, 
And it's also, it's definitely Krishna's arrangement that our dear Kalindi is uh, being initiated, although she's devotee from birth, but that she's being initiated on Nityananda's appearance day. Because that clearly indicates that Nityananda is, you know, has something up his transcendental sleeve for her. <laughs> and because in this, they're the most glorious use of the human form of life is to serve Lord Nityananda. And of course, we see that Lord Krishna, it's very interesting, I'll just mention this briefly in case uh, some of you haven't heard it in some of my other talks, but um, in, in Chaitanya Leela, we have this structure, this agreed upon structure in, in the lives of the great souls where uh, where you have Adi Leela, which means the first Leela, or beginning Leela. And then you have Madhya Leela, middle Leela. The English word middle, of course, from Sanskrit Madhya. And then you have Antya Leela, which means Antya. We have a word in English from Antya, which is end, end, ant. And so the ending Leela, or the final Leela. So you find this exact structure in Krishna Leela. I mean, we don't normally use those words, but... It's all there. Because if you look at Lord Chaitanya's uh, Adi Leela, Lord Chaitanya is in a small town, relatively small town, with his close, intimate friends and family, and his activities are most relishable. But um, they're not of great, let's say, geopolitical, religious importance. Even though Lord Chaitanya in Navadweep you have these, you know, just very, very relishable, intimate pastimes with friends and family. But it, it doesn't have much effect on what's going on in the world outside that little town. And so, therefore, Lord Chaitanya decides to take sannyas simply because otherwise people, you know, wouldn't take you seriously. So he takes sannyas because everyone respects that. And um, by the way, you have a similar situation in Europe at that time, or even earlier in the Middle Ages. And that is, if, if you look at the first European universities following the Carolingian Renaissance around 800 and going into the, you know, maybe the year 1000, virtually all of the, almost all of the scholars, with very few exceptions, scholars were monks. And of course, monks are people who take ostensibly a vow of celibacy. So the idea that it's the renounced religious people who are the natural scholars and uh, their brains are sharp. They have lots of time on their hands. They don't have to get a real job. And so, and so you, interestingly, you find the same thing in India and in Europe where the scholars and the people who are the great teachers, philosophers are almost all um, celibate priests or monks or sannyasis in India. In fact, Thomas Aquinas, uh, he was also a monk. So, um, so Lord Chaitanya took sannyas, but then he leaves Navadvi at a, at a certain age, and for six years he traveled and preached. He actively is establishing the Yuga Dharma, and after six years of this, he retires to Jagannath Puri and works through his pure devotees. He doesn't personally go out to change the world. Now you find exactly this structure in Krishna Leela. 
where the Adi Leela of Krishna, of course, is we call Braja Leela, the Vrindavan Leela, where Krishna is engaged in very relishable, intimate pastimes with his personal friends and family, but the things he's doing don't have so much global effect. I mean, perhaps diminishing the troop level of Kangsa by killing all the um, sort of the Asura yogis that he sent there, beginning with um, Putana and then Trinavarta, the the uh, sort of the grass whirler. That's what Trinavarta means. Trina is grass or straw, as in Trinata Pisunichena. And Avarta means like a whirlwind, like, the, you know, whirling. And so Trinavarta literally means the grass whirler. So, um, so Krishna is killing these sort of these great yogis sent by Kangsa, but Kangsa himself is far more powerful than all of them. And um, there's not really, it's not changing anything geopolitically, militarily in the world. So then Krishna leaves Vrindavan, he goes to Mathura, and he starts to do things that have more direct uh, global influence, such as killing Kangsa. Killing Kangsa was, uh, it changed, it, it shifted a little bit the balance of world power. So Krishna killed Kangsa and so on. And then, so then for several years, Krishna is personally killing Asuras. But then at a certain point, just as Lord Chaitanya stops preaching after six years of traveling and Jayasthapuri, uh, Krishna at a certain point goes to Dwarka and declares that he and Balaram will not personally fight anymore. Just like, because 5,000 years ago, fighting was the, you know, killing demons was kind of like what you did to uh, spread the Yuga Dharma. You killed demons. And similarly, Lord Chaitanya was preaching the, the Sankirtan movement. So then Lord, Chait- Lord Krishna stops personally killing demons, turns it over to his great devotees like the Pandavas, and Lord Chaitanya turns it over to his preaching great devotees. So in that sense, we are, here we are, Lord Chaitanya appeared in this world in 1486, which means that um, he appeared, let's see, 521, 535 years ago. Probably the next thousand years, people are going to be saying, 500 years ago when Lord Chaitanya appeared, but actually need to update that. Uh, Lord Chaitanya actually appeared 535 years ago. Five, no. Yes. God, for a minute. What a blunder. I thought that I might have made a mistake, even though I'm an ISKCON guru. So anyway, um, so now if we, the significance of, of Lord Nityananda for us is that the time has obviously come, and it came, you know, centuries ago, when we have to go out, we have to represent Lord Nityananda. The real way, if you want to, if you want Lord Lord Nityananda to be present in your life, and this is a little word thing I'm doing here, which, you know, so anyway, be on guard. A very little clever word thing is about to happen. So if we want to be in the presence of Lord Nityananda, we have to re-present him. That's what the word represent means. To represent someone means to make them present again, to re-present them. 
And to present someone is to kind of establish their presence. And so if we want Lord Nityananda present in our lives, if we want to wake up every morning and find that Lord Nityananda is with us very powerfully and that our life is sublime because we are always with Lord Nityananda, if we if that's the life we want, then every day we have to represent him. We have to do what he wants done. All of us, all of us have desires and, you know, we're all, actually, none of us are human. I say we're all human, but actually that's not true. I mean, actually, none of us are human, but, you know, we all have material bodies. And, uh, and Lord Krishna himself warns us in Bhagavad Gita, don't be extreme with your human needs. Don't eat too much or too little. Don't sleep too much or too little. And then Krishna says, by analogy, in all your sort of human activities, you have to be moderate. So we need to be healthy emotionally, physically, intellectually, spiritually. We need to be healthy, have a balanced life. That's what Krishna teaches, a balanced life. But within that balanced life, we have to really get down to business. We have to do what Lord Nityananda wants done. That's the way to get Lord Nityananda's mercy. You know, all the rituals on earth and heaven are not going to get you there. I mean, the rituals are nice, the ceremonies are nice, and we do them because that's part of our culture. But ultimately, if you look at Nitai Lila, Nityananda Lila, uh, Nityananda was very merciful. He saved Jaga and Madai, these two... My God, I mean, they they were alive today. They'd probably be Republicans. But anyway, so, um, anyway, forget that. Don't want to get into politics here. But um, Nityananda was with, with, with supreme mercy. There's a beautiful song by um, Lochan Das Thakur that uh, Parama Karuna, supreme mercy. I mean, think of those words. Parama Karuna, supreme mercy. Pahu, which is Bengali for Prabhu. Pahu Dvijana, these two lords, two people, these two lords. Parama Karuna, Pahu Dvijana, Nitai Gauda Chanda. Sabhyavatar, of all the avatars. Sarda, they are the essence. Shiromani, and the crown jewel. Of all the avatars. Gordi Tire, the essence and the crown jewel kevalananda kanda and just as in the vedas there's a karma kanda or the jnana kanda these different divisions of the vedas so uh lochandas Thakur says that nitai gore are kevala which means like simply uh ananda kanda the bliss division of the vedas in other words just bliss so uh kalindi that's really, um, I know you're a very good, intelligent soul. And so that's the mission. You know, should you choose to accept it? The mission is, and then of course, the uh, your computer screen will blow up, right? Mission impossible? No, maybe not. So, uh, but that really, that really is our mission. Our mission is very simple. It's to please Lord Nityananda. 
And we please Lord Nityananda by doing what he did. We know what he wants. Nitai, what's that other one that uh, Amar Gunamani? Nitai Gunaman, Nitai Gunamani, Amar Gunamani. That song that how Lord Nityananda came and uh, he came to go to Desh, Ayla Goda Deshe. And he, he said there was, as Prabhupada translates it, there was this, this ocean of love of Krishna, this great sea of love of Krishna, but it was blocked. Somehow or other it wasn't flowing, and therefore no one was benefiting from it. And so Nitai, he cut a channel in this, so that all this, this ocean of bliss, of mercy could flow. And he said he flooded, he flooded the, all the land with this, this flood of love of Godhead. And it said that even, and, and the devotees were all drowning in ecstasy, and even the, the materialists and demons that couldn't drown, they were floating at least. So they were, so, so that's the mission. That's the mission to represent, to make present again in this world, Lord Nityananda. And to, and to spread his mission. Of course, Prabhupada's mission is Nityananda's mission. It's the same mission. Prabhupada came as a representative of Gorni Thai. He was always singing these beautiful songs about Gorni Thai with great spiritual ecstasy. And so there's no difference. Prabhupada being a pure representative of Lord Nityananda is not different from him. And, um, and here we are. Here we are, 2021, and uh, we just have to somehow or other um, receive the blessing to represent these great souls. That's what our life is about. And so different devotees are trying in different ways to do this. And, uh, and Prabhupada once said to me, actually, I'll tell you the context, um, in the mid-1970s, the world Sankirtan champion was the Radha Damodar party, led by my dear godbrother, Tamal Krishna Goswami. And um, so then Prabhupada, in 1974, he sent me to Latin America, and things started to grow very quickly, so much so that in, I think it was December of 1975, it must have been. It must have been December of 1975, out of nowhere, we were in everybody's rearview mirror. And then suddenly we were, you know, we won the December Marathon. The December Marathon back then was like the World Cup and the, you know, the Super Bowl and everything rolled into one. And so Latin America somehow won the World Sankirtan competition. So then in January, I flew to Los Angeles to see Prabhupada and Tamal also came there. And so we were walking one day on the uh, Palisades, the cliffs, overlooking the Santa Monica Bay in Santa Monica. And um, so Prabhupada was having a good time because he, you know, he heard the news about Latin America as a Sankirtan champion. So Prabhupada, <laughs> we were walking along and, and he was kind of not agitating Tamal, but really like having some fun. So Prabhupada said to Tamal, so no one could defeat Radha Damodar. But now, you know, speaking about me, he said now, he has defeated you. So then he kind of, in his own language, Prabhupada said, like, are you going to take that? You know, what are you going to do about it? So, of course, it was all fun. And Tamal and I were smiling, laughing. So 
Then Prabhupada, you remember he stopped. When Prabhupada was walking, he really wanted to make a point. He'd like put his cane down, plant his cane, and he'd stop, and everybody would stop, and then he'd just, you know, he'd make his point. So so I, I never forget, Prabhupada looked at us, and he said, I like this competition. I like this competition. And, of course, he saw that it was all in, you know, good Vaishnava spirit. He saw that Tamal and I had a good, you know, we were friends, we were brothers. And uh, and that because of that competition, we'd all done much more than we would have done. So Prabhupada said, I like this competition. So I put forward some views, how I think we should spread the movement. Other people have other views. It's just, how could that happen? But anyway, so there are different views. And uh, all of us in that spirit of Prabhupada, because for what do we live if not to please Prabhupada? So Prabhupada says, I like this, then no brainer. You give that to Prabhupada. So Prabhupada said, I like this competition. So in, in, a, in a Vaishnava spirit and, you know, being good sports and mutual respect and all that, we have to go out and just try to do our best to spread this movement. It's, um, we know that when Prabhupada was here, he, uh, of course, it was a very special time. In history, and Prabhupada is very obviously a very special preacher of Krishna consciousness. And yet, I'll, I'll end my little talk with this, and then I'll, you know, we'll have a sort of a no-nonsense negotiation with Kalindi so she can really afford this initiation. Just kidding. That was a joke. Anyway, one time we were, <laughs> one time we were walking uh, with Prabhupada in Rancho Park in Los Angeles. It was always very special for me to go to Rancho Park with Prabhupada because, first of all, that was our that was my neighborhood park when I was growing up. You know, I, I took swimming lessons there and I played Little League Baseball there. And, you know, that was our park. And Prabhupada, and that's where I played tennis. So, uh, and that was the park Prabhupada would walk in. And to get to that park from the temple... They had a certain route. It was a direct route. They would, you know, go down um, Watsika and then over to National, turn left on Manning Drive, turn right on Club Drive, and go to the park. You can fact check me, by the way. And so, um, so in those days, Karunder was the GBC and uh, BBT trustee in Los Angeles and also temple president. And... He was a grihasta, so <clears throat> as a householder business on the side, he used to buy late model Rolls Royces, and he'd fix them up and resell them for profit. <clears throat> that was his grihasta business. So, uh, so when he knew Prabhupada was coming, he would like select the best model he had in the stable. You know, his best Rolls Royce, Rolls Royce like Silver Cloud, and then he would, you know, get it all ready. And so, and I would always go with Prabhupada in the car and we'd drive in the morning walk. And uh, so I found myself sitting in the back seat of a Rolls Royce next to Prabhupada, driving through the neighborhoods where I had, you know, all my friends. And I used to go to parties, you know, I was in middle school and literally driving past the houses. And in those days, of course, we were much more, what's the word? The world's much more chaste. I mean, people weren't having illicit sex back then. 
but we were certainly falling in love, getting, you know, crushes on each other. So I would literally hear, I'm sitting in Rolls Royce <clears throat> next to Prabhupada, driving past the very houses, beautiful houses, where I, you know, I went to parties. I, I learned to ride my bike in that neighborhood. You know, I, same street where I used to ride my bike as a kid. And I remember just sitting there thinking, you've come a long way, baby. I mean, in the sense that, uh, I don't know if I used exactly those words, but I was thinking, my God, here I am on the same street, same neighborhood, going to the same park, but now I'm in a Rolls Royce, and that wasn't, of course, the main point, sitting next to really the only living pure devotee on, on the earth at that time, this Mahabhagavat. And I thought, wow, what a change. Then I'd walk with Prabhupada, literally over the baseball fields where I used to play. I mean, we'd literally walk over the fields and, and just walk through the park, walk around the tennis courts with Prabhupada. And it was um, it was an amazing experience. But anyway, one time we were, um, we were walking through the park. We got to a certain point. Prabhupada always had a route. Like wherever Prabhupada walked, whether it was Santa Monica or Venice Beach or... or uh, Rancho Park, he always had a route. Once he established his route, that was it every every day. And so um, so we were walking at one point in the park, and he, he just stopped, you know, stopped. He was making a point, put his cane down, sort of planted his cane. And he was, he was really emphasizing that how we should aspire to become Krishna's instrument. And he quoted, of course, the famous verse from chapter 11, that mayaivaite nihata purvameva, that all these, meaning soldiers, all these soldiers have already been killed by me alone. And of course, externally, the battle hadn't begun yet. But Krishna said that uh, Mayaiva, Mayaiva, which means literally by me alone, Mayaiva. By me alone, Mayaiva, Mayaiva, Ete, all of these soldiers, Nihata, have been slain, Purvameva, already. Already, it's already happened. That, I've, that I, I alone, Mayaiva, I alone have killed all these soldiers. Therefore, Nimitta Matram Bhava. Become just the instrument. And the word used for just, like only become, is um, the word matra, which we still have in English with a slight change. It's the word metric. And so matra uh, means measurement. Matra means measurement. Matra, metra, metra, meter, metric. And so when you use it as a suffix, like nimitta. Nimitta means the instrumental cause, just being the instrument. And so nimitta matram literally means, and then bhava, become, means become just that measure, like no more, no less. And of course, the word measure, pramana, from the same verb, the verbal root is ma, and you get matra, and you also get mana, not to be confused with uh, amanina, amanadena, which is the word mana from a different root, man, like mind, manas. But this is the root ma, which means to measure. And so, so the word pra mana means evidence or proof. 
And so the idea that the measure of something, like to take the measure of a man, is to see what it really is. Uh, you have that famous statement by the uh, sophist, um, not Sophocles. Um, oh my God, what was his name? Anyway, where he said, "Man is the measure. Man is the measure of all things." In other words. It's man that decides what is true or false. Man is the measure of all things, of things that are that they are, of things that are not that they are not. So, which of course is obviously ignorant humanism. But in any case, so matra means like the measure of something, like no more, no less, just that measure. And th and that's the word that Krishna uses. He tells Arjuna, nimitta, the instrument, nimitta matram bhava, just become that measure, just be the instrument. Uh, and so, uh, so, amayai vaite nihita purvam evam nimitta matra bhava savyasachan. So, Prabhupada quoted that verse, and then he said, it's because he, he really got into it, and he was sort of speaking the part of Krishna, almost in a theatrical way. He was like, he would speak Krishna's part, then he'd speak Arjuna's part, and so when he was speaking as Krishna, he said, Arjuna, do not think that any of these soldiers are going home again to their families. They're not going home. You know, they're all going to die here. So now you become the instrument. Prabhupada then turned to us and said, similarly, why don't you become Krishna's instrument? If you don't do it, someone else will do it. Krishna will give the credit to someone else, but why don't you take the credit? It was very powerful, and I never forgot that, that, that moment with Prabhupada. Why don't you take the credit? You know, as I say, everyone can have their Rudolph moment. You know, then one foggy Janmashtami Eve, Krishna came to say. So, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter uh, what kind of body you have. It's not about body. It doesn't matter, you know, the gender of your body. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your age. Uh, all that matters is what you, as a soul, decide to do. We all have these different bodies. They're all kind of comical in their own ways. But we all have these different bodies, and so what really matters is what you, as the soul, inside that body, what you decide to do with your life, that's what matters. And if Krishna decides to empower you, your body will begin to do amazing things in terms of how you speak and how you influence other people. There's no bodily, there's no bodily qualification. It doesn't matter what kind of body you have. It matters what you as a soul decide to do. And so um, any one of us can become glorious. Any one of us can get Prabhupada's special mercy and Nityananda's special mercy if we get out of, you know, if, if we think more about Prabhupada's needs than we do about our personal comfort. So, Kalindi. Uh, it's uh, very proud of you. And I'm sure your parents are very proud of you and all the devotee community. So, um, any questions on these points? 
Not for me. Okay. Okay, so what's that? How do you will? So Kalindi. Uh Prabhupada personally did my initiation actually. He did the little fire and uh Sorry, I can't light a fire directly in New Zealand, but um, yes, Prabhupada, and, and when I was in Boston, and Prabhupada sent me to Boston actually to work on his books in 1970, and um, so Satsarupa was there, and I joined in the West Coast, and there weren't that many older devotees in the West Coast, so when I went to Boston, I met all these older devotees, I mean, they'd been in the movement forever, they'd actually been in the movement two years longer than me, which was like you know, thousands of years. And so, um, so I used to always, such Satsarupa and I were friends. I mean, he was, he was like an older brother. And so every, I remember every um, day at lunchtime, I, I would sit next to him and I'd tell him, you know, tell me stories about Prabhupada because he knew so much about Prabhupada. I remember one story he told me, which is kind of relevant here, that in the beginning of ISKCON, only Prabhupada would do fire sacrifices. And no one else had permission to do that. And then at a certain point, Prabhupada gave his blessings for some some of his disciples to actually do the fire sacrifice. And so when Satsarupa got that chance, one of the first ceremonies done by Prabhupada's disciples, and so he said to Prabhupada, how should I do the fire sacrifice? And Prabhupada just looked at him and said, shortcut. So, I mean, of course, we 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 keep this tradition alive and we do the fire sacrifices and it's beautiful. But so so at my initiation in Los Angeles, which I think was February 8th, it was February 8th, 1970. And uh, Prabhupada got off his Vyasasana and sat on a cushion you know, on the floor by the fire and personally did the fire sacrifice. And so, um, anyway, so I, I like to do initiations the way Prabhupada did. I mean, I'll tell you one more a Prabhupada joke. Because this happened at an initiation ceremony, I mean, around 1972, around there, 73, they were doing a regional, regional initiations in, in Los Angeles, New Dwarka. And so devotees who were to be initiated came from, from all over, especially the West, you know, Denver and San Diego and Laguna Beach and Bay Area. And so, and so I remember the Karunder, they put all the beads of the new initiates on the microphone stand. There was like dozens and dozens and like 80 devotees or something. And so then Karunder would, you know, take a set of beads that had a little name tag on it. He would call out that person and the person would come forward and Prabhupada would, you know, ask them the bow and everything. So I'll never forget this. <laughs> Karander took one set of beads and he called out Elizabeth. Because I don't think we used Bakhtin, Bakhtin back then. And by the way, Bakhtin is not actually a word. It just somehow it caught on an ISKCON. But anyway, so um, don't kill the messenger. So, so Karander called out Elizabeth. And then Prabhupada, I was right next to Prabhupada, so he looked over at us, sort of this mischievous smile and, he, and he, but he said very seriously very deadpan he said is that queen elizabeth 
And uh, I just started laughing at them, but other people kind of didn't get it at first. So Robert smiled at me. He saw that I got the joke. Then he asked again, is that Queen Elizabeth? And of course, it turns out it wasn't, unfortunately. So anyway, Prabhupada, he was very jovial at the initiation. He was sort of in a celebratory mood. He was He was very happy to see these young souls. Well, not young souls, but these young people coming to take initiation. So, Kalindi. Hare Krishna. So now what what you should do is uh, offer obeisances, and then I will ask you, then it becomes Vedic Jeopardy, where I ask you different questions. Let me just unmute. Yes. So, what are the four, what are the four principles you agree to follow? Um, no gambling, no illicit sex, no intoxication, and no meat eating. Yes. And positively, what do you promise to do? Pardon? Positively, what, what do you promise to do? Uh, chant at least 16 rounds in the Mahamantra every day. Very good. Uh, uh, what's your last name again? Pardon? Your last name. Fletcher. Yes, Fletcher, of course. Your father wrote me. So, uh, your name will be... Kalindi Preista Fletcher. Kalindi Preista. Preista means most beloved. Kalindi is a Jamuna, so Krishna is the most beloved of Kalindi. So you are the servant of the most beloved of Kalindi. And it also means you're most beloved. So after all these years, you've got a middle name. Can you type it? <laughs> oh, yes. That costs a little extra, but I'll do it. Can I get it? Uh, oh, there's only. Can I type it in private chat or the. If I. Let me see. I'll, well, I'll type it in the comments section so everybody can see it, including you, I think. But there's no room to. Uh, how do I do that? Because there's no room to type. Let me see. But I'll get it there. Don't worry, it's coming. Okay, I'll just type it in the private chat. I'll put in the diacritics. There you go. You see it in that? uh, Can you see it there? Yep, I see it. Thank you so much. Krishna, it's a as in Prabhupada, Namam Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Pristaya. Actually, uh, it's very interesting. One little linguistic note, which I'll present to you, and that is that English is very close to Sanskrit in many ways. And um, 
just like in English, we make the superlative degree of something by adding ST, like you say the word fine and finest, or uh, pretty, prettiest, and so on and so forth. So we make, so you can say, for example, fine, finer, finest. And, um, or you can say, um, you know, with any adjective, blue, bluer, bluest. So that ST to make the superlative actually is Sanskrit. So for example, you have the word Priya, which means dear or beloved. Then you have Prayas, which is very dear, and Preshta, which is most dear, dear est. So just as in English we say dear est, in Sanskrit they say preshta. So that st comes from Sanskrit. So that so that's what the word actually means. It means dear est. Or most most beloved. So <laughs> so I'm just gonna take a quick look and see if anyone in the uh audience had any, I mean, people watching around the world. So hopefully they'll all send large sums of money to you. And so let's see if anyone had a question. Uh, many nice comments, many nice devotees. <laughs> nice, some nice comments. Um, I don't see any questions, but actually... Here's something, wishing you both all the best in such an auspicious day. May Lord Nityananda shower you with spiritual strength to achieve all success on this wonderful path. So Vaishnavas around the world are offering their best wishes to you. Anyway, uh, I think that's it. So no other questions. Um, yeah, I have no questions. I'm so... I just thank you so much. Does anybody here have any questions for the Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, it's a pleasure. My pleasure. Happy to do it. And please visit us. Yes. Please visit us. Oh, yes. Yeah. Thank you very much. Actually, we have a lot of credit for your parents. Because, first of all, they attracted a great soul into their family. And they obviously were excellent parents. And also, we have to thank the entire community because, as Hillary Clinton once said, and, you know, she got some things right, as Hillary Clinton once said, it, it takes a village. She quoted that famous proverb that it takes a village to raise a child. And so, of course, ultimately, as Krishna says in chapter six of the Bhagavad Gita, we have to give credit to Kalindi Preshta herself for, for her own devotion to Krishna, which, and then Krishna gave her this golden opportunity in this life to complete her devotional path. And then we have to... Uh, Give credit, of course, to your parents. They deserve an extraordinary amount of credit for, I mean, they for your whole life, they've been actually guiding you and helping you. So they will receive extraordinary mercy from Krishna for that. 
and of course the entire community. I mean, we have to be very grateful, most grateful to Prabhupada for coming. That's why there's a Hare Krishna movement in New Zealand and other places because Prabhupada came. And so it's really a day in which we should be grateful to everyone. As far as someone asked the question, what's the real word for lady devotee? And I have a lot of capital with the leaders movement since I've never in my life been involved in a uh, any kind of controversy in this con. And therefore, and therefore, you know, I have a lot of, uh, I'm kidding, obviously. Uh, so, but as, as far as what the word would be, in Sanskrit, of course, there is a word bhakta. Bhakta is a, is a common word in Sanskrit. It means a devoted one. And um, I'm just looking to see if they give, yes, there is, there is actually a Sanskrit word, bhakta, with a long A, and not always, I mean, won't go into all the grammar of it, uh, but often a word, a word that, a, a Sanskrit noun that ends in a short A usually uh, makes the feminine form of that same word by adding a, uh, a long, with a long A. Um, so that bhakta with a long A at the end would be the feminine. Oh, but just I hope I didn't get didn't get into too much trouble there, but but that actually technically would be the feminine word bhakta. So uh, that's from Shamala Kishori, who's a very nice devotee in Florida and a scholar. So thank you all very much. Anything else? Can I help you in any other way? <laughs> Not I'll let you go, but again, thanks to all of you. It's an honor to be with all of you and a pleasure. And I hope that Krishna will take me back to New Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.